Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, this is John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby is here by my side. And Judge Weinberg is the only participant today, but... New York City, Manhattan is at a standstill. Uh, Rita, how long did it take you to uh, get here? Well, usually it's just a few minutes, and John, it took almost an hour. It was paralysis, and I met uh, probably a couple hundred pro-Palestinian protesters who are on their a way. A couple of hundred, that's chump change. Yeah, chump change that just literally uh, that I saw face to face. There were thousands. You can tell they are overtaking the city and between that and the tree lighting and that is their focus. Uh, it is called flood the tree lighting and they are definitely, they were talking uh, we about it in some, front of me. We got to get some reports uh, now. I, mean, I understand Curtis is on the phone. Let's get some reports about what the heck is going on in the streets in New York. Curtis, what the heck is going on in the streets yes, of New yes. York? Well, uh, John, they, uh, the demonstrators have given in the NYPD and all of us more than enough time to prepare. It's going to be a test. NYPD to stop these demonstrators because, as you've seen of late, they take over bridges, they march in the streets, they, de- they desecrate, they vandalize. It's almost back to the summer of George Floyd 2020. So now they know they're coming. Let's see if they set up a perimeter. They should have the old tactical patrol force with hats and bats in front. Let's see if they get the horse unit out there. That's way cops can see what's going on in the crowd. And they got to control this situation because if not, and basically every event will, will be threatened by these uh, Palestinian pro-Hamas demonstrators. Yeah. I was invited to an event at Rock Center. Um, a friend of mine has an office right facing the tree, and we were going, but uh, it looks like we can't even get near there. You know what's so sad, Curtis, is like, I love the tree lighting. I used to work for NBC, and I remember it was like, you know, this beautiful moment. It is one of my favorite moments of the time of year. And, uh, Curtis, I just got off uh, one of your favorite subway trains. It was packed. Literally in the subway car that I was, there were several hundred Palestinian, pro-Palestinian protesters with river to the sea signs, you know, crammed next to me. It was a nightmare, Curtis, and it was scary. And Curtis, when they retake control, if the police department retakes control of the streets, as they have to, we're going to have a civilized city. What's going to happen? We're going to have a, a lawsuit against the city of New York and then the administrations to give them money because they were poorly arrested. Is that the gambit? Well, you got to fight it. You cannot all of a sudden find a sign a consent decree like the mayor recently did and agreed to have the cops keep their hands off demonstrators. They actually rewarded Black Lives Matter and Antifa for the summer of 2020 for the rioting, looting and shooting. They gave them payouts. Now, this mayor did that. You remember, I had my jaw broken in the summer of 2020 fighting Black Lives Matter and Antifa. You cannot give an inch. Let them sue you. I am up in court, but if the demonstrators will have their way, every event in New York City will be threatened as we go into the Christmas season. This is the defining night. Will the brand-new police commissioner, Caban, draw the line and set up a perimeter and say, you got no permit, you have no permit for bullhorns, 
This is a legal process you could have gotten at one police plaza. It takes you a day to get it, so you're not getting anywhere near the tree. Let's see. Let's see if he finally enforces the law. What do you think, Curtis? What's your bet? No, because we've already seen the moment they let him come across the Brooklyn Bridge, the moment they let them take the Manhattan Bridge with only 500 demonstrators this past, uh, this past Sunday, the moment they let them get on the, the steps of the Fifth Avenue Library and pull out aerosol cans and start vandalizing the property. And Grand Central and Station? Not reacting, not making, and what about Grand Central Station? Land. Exactly. You get the buses from Rikers Island, you line them up, you grab them, you process them, you bring them down to central booking. It's what they used to do. It's what they can do again. But they choose not to do it. Not the cops. Let them do their job. It's obviously Caban and City Hall that is not restricting the movement of these demonstrators. Well, you know what I think of, Curtis? I think of, uh, as you talked about, the summer of 2020. It's just an attack on Christmas. Well, well, it's, it's an attack on a lot of things. They're going after the United States, John, because they're blocking shopping malls or shopping areas. Now they're moving to the Christmas well, tree. What are they going to do to Rabbi uh, uh, Butman next week with, uh, when they like the menorahs on 59th Street? What do you think these savages are going to do? What do you think they're going to do? That's they a really no scary respect. premise. They have no respect for anything yeah. but their own values. So I want to ask Curtis, what are your thoughts about who is behind this? Because you brought up, uh, Judge, the public library. The damage to the public library is like about $100,000 minimum just because they deface the outside of it. Why are they not tracking down who's funding these people? I'm telling you, I was on the subway just now. They are printed signs. It is organized. Who is behind this? Who's financing this? Throw the book at them. Listen, you have to arrest these people. You have to prosecute them. You have to put them in jail. Otherwise, you can have the total breakdown of organized society and civilization in this city. They're bringing the third world to America. And we cannot allow that to happen. Curtis, what do you say? And who's behind this? Why are they not figuring this out? Who's funding these people? Rita, this is the same people who were in the streets for Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Remember, in that particular period of time, Antifa was able to cover themselves up. They were all black, black masks. You couldn't tell who they were. Now they get to cover themselves up with the kafia, the shmata on their head. A drone does nothing if it can't do photo recognition technology. It can't spot the rabble rousers in the in the crowd. The cops must prevent the march from going forward. They can do it. Bring the horse unit. When these demonstrators see the cops on the horses, I've been in the middle of those situations. John Rita and Judge, those demonstrators will be stopped in their tracks, but they won't do it. NYPD and City Hall are intimidated by the demonstrators. They're going to have to grow a set. Yeah, you know what's really scary, Curtis? I think about the moment uh, when Bill de Blasio let basically the city burn in 2020. And then finally when he said, police, I want you to do your jobs, it was a few hours where things finally, we saw law and order. Well, remember, Rita, we saw that during the Crown Heights riots. David Dinkins let the riots go on for three days until the rioters turned on him when he was having a community meeting. And then he told Raymond Kelly, put it down. Same thing with de Blasio. And we're having the same situation with Eric Adams and the new police commissioner, Caban. But this is on Caban's watch. 
He's got to show that he's capable of leading this department. Many women are upset. Their morale is down. They've been told their numbers are going to go down to 29,000. They're not wanting to get involved unless the people at the top are out there in the streets. They got to see Eric Adams in the streets with them. They got to see Caban. They got to see the brass. And then the men and women will respond. I know how the cops are. They want to see the leaders lead. Eric Adams is always saying, I'm the general. Eric, you can't get there at 930 tonight. You got to be there at 630. That's when the action starts. You know, the question is, and you just brought up a great point, Curtis. What will they do? Because I think about what happened at Hillcrest High School, where that Jewish teacher was hiding when a mob of angry, you know, uh, anti-Israeli students were trying to hunt her down. They sent David Banks, the education chancellor there, and all he did was have a nice talk and said, well, we've all talked and everything's going to be better and not to worry. Uh, you know, there are all these Jewish teachers writing saying, we're worried. How are we going to go back to work? I mean, that that didn't seem like a very appropriate, in my mind, response to what was a really scary situation. So I well, hope they, I, I just they hope step up safe. tonight. I just hope everybody stays safe tonight. Uh, stay, look, people have a right to demonstrate, but let's hope everybody stays safe. And that's uh, the, at the NYPD does their job. Thousand percent. And by the way, Curtis, before we let you go, also an update on the subway crimes, because in the middle of this, we've got a lot of crimes lately. Yeah, well, I'm here at Broadway Junction, East New York, is where the A train, the C train, the J train, and L train merge. I have Guardian Angel patrols out here. You saw just yesterday, 5.30, middle of the rush hour on a C train, heading towards the city. Two young guys fighting on the train. One pulls out a gun, shoots one through the hand, shoots another man further down the car on the ankle and escapes. There are no cops here. I'm out here tonight. I haven't seen one transit police officer yet. Uh, keep us posted. Really scary stuff. Curtis, thank you very, very much. We appreciate thank you being Curtis. with us. By the way, thank I'll you. see you at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Me and Curtis will be on between 7 and 10, along with Andrew Giuliani. Oh, that stinks, because then I'm going to have to wake up and hear you guys. I'm not going to go back to sleep, because I'm going to love the show. Thank you, Curtis. <laughs> Thanks. Everybody tune in. And uh, joining us now, we have Andy McCarthy, who is the former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Andy, we got a lot of questions for you, but first, let's start with these protests. What can we do to throw the book at these people? I mean, especially when they're defacing property or threatening uh, even Jewish teachers. I mean, this is well beyond free speech. Well, it is, Rita, because they've let it get that way. You know, we have laws on the books. The uh, Biden administration, you know, if there was a different uh, racial or ethnic component to what we're seeing here, uh, that the Biden Justice Department wouldn't let any grass grow under their feet before they activated the civil division. And we had all kinds of uh, civil rights indictments. You, you know, it would happen in a heartbeat. Uh, there's a lot they could do, but they won't. One of the things I'd like to see, there's a lot of places where um, even in the United States, uh, if you wear it's illegal to wear a mask during a demonstration. I think if these people were forced to identify themselves, you'd see a lot fewer of them. Andy, I agree with you. You're absolutely right. There are laws in the books. They have to be enforced. Otherwise, we're going to have the total breakdown of, of civilization. And we can't allow that. We are. We're living under the law of the jungle right now. So this is yep. serious stuff. You know, the, the craziness of the Middle East has moved into the United States of America. And this has to be stopped before it tilts. 
uncontrollably. Yeah, but, you know, but, you know, Judge, the, the thing is, it's not like this is a big mystery, right? We had out-of-control rampant crime in New York City from, uh, you know, the 60s through uh, really into the, into the 90s. And then it completely got turned around. It was just a matter of will. I, I tell people all the time, I think it was in 1991, we had around 2,500 homicides in New York City. Now we get upset when it gets over 400, right? So it's a matter of will. The law can be enforced, but you have to have, uh, you know. You have to have have the back of the police department to enforce it. You have to have prosecutors who will prosecute. You have to have judges who have the courage to put people in when they do violent, destructive conduct. We know what to do. Safe street, safe city, save the city. Then it can be done again, but you have to have the will to do it. I, I agree with you. Right. I want to raise another issue with you. You've had a couple of interesting columns about the uh, proposed hearing in the, the deposition by uh, Hunter, Hunter the Hunter, the Hunter Biden situation with Shaman Comer. And, of course, Abby Lowell, who's uh, regarded as a very hotshot lawyer, said, well, I don't want to do it in a deposition. I want to do it in a public hearing. First of all, it's not his choice. It's the committee's choice. It's the House of Representatives rules, not not his. But the point is that, it, as you correctly point out in your article, this is all about theater. Could you please tell the listeners what that means? Yeah, it's all posturing. You know, look, Hunter is uh, beating his chest and saying, um, I'll show up. Uh, which is big of him because he's got a subpoena, which is not a suggestion. It's a legal requirement that he show up, you know. Um, But he says, uh, I'll only testify if it's in public. Now, a couple of things here. They always do this. You know, this is not a new tactic. All during the Trump uh, impeachment stuff and all during the January 6th committee stuff, uh, they subpoenaed people to show up for deposition testimony. And a lot of people said, I don't trust these committees. I want to testify in public. We didn't hear much about that because the media liked those committees and they don't like Comer's committee. So we're hearing more about this this time around. But, you know, Comer's committee is the oversight committee. They're saying that they're conducting an impeachment investigation. In the meantime, it's not an impeachment investigation. They've never voted it. And the reason they didn't put it to a vote is because they don't have the votes. Hunter is saying uh, I'll testify if it's in public because he knows, number one, the committee will refuse that. They're not going to change their rules for him. And number two, he's just been indicted and he's still under investigation. So he's got a Fifth Amendment privilege. He's trying to make lemonade out of lemons. He's going to show up and take the fifth. But he'd rather you thought it was because he didn't trust the committee rather than that he's got criminal exposure. So it's all a bunch of posturing, but it's it's posturing over a non-event because I think he's going to show up and not testify. Yeah, good point. Um, well, Andy McCarthy, thank you very much. Keep us posted. We really appreciate thank it, you, Andy. Andy. Thanks, Rita. Thank you. Great to have you here. And uh, John, now I understand we have Anthony wait, from Grimaldi. No, he didn't say it right. Oh, go ahead. Let's Anthony. see. Anthony. Oh, wait a minute. Wait from no. You know what? From Grimaldi. Anthony. You could do the same with Grimaldi's. That's what we're going to do. We got to do. But you got to pronounce Grimaldi's Grimaldi's pizza at the old limelight. And um, tell us, uh, you're doing some remarkable things tonight. We heard the bad news about about what's going on at uh, Rockefeller Center. Now, give us the good news. What's going on at Rockefeller Center? The good news is, as we speak right now, I'm starting now to about six o'clock to about nine o'clock tonight. I'm going to sell about three, four hundred pies, and I'm going to take care of all the police officers there on duty. 
Bravo. Bravo. And we're going we're to take care of those guys because they, they're going to have a hard time. They have to protect our Christmas tree, and this is the only way we know how to do it. The police department is going to be on the ball tonight. I have a funny feeling we're going to be okay. Now, and then any, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Anthony, tell everybody why you think it's so important. I love this. By the way, I want to thank you because you sent over a pizza or two on my birthday, which was very sweet. Oh, really? And, and a no, special no, little that's bottle. Our tradition. <laughs> that's our tradition, Rita. Thank yeah, you. But the reason why, too, the Christmas tree means a lot to me. During the Depression, how it started was the, the, the Irish men, the Irish people, they were all the time the firemen and they were the police officers. The, the Italians were always the builders. So they were building Rockefeller Center. So they, they finished up one Christmas Eve. They went out and picked up a Christmas tree. They put the little Christmas tree in front of Rockefeller Center. Till today, we're keeping up that reputation of putting a Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. And we've got to keep it strong. Absolutely. Well, Anthony. Uh, wait, wait. You didn't say it right. Are, Anthony! <laughs> you got to see John oh smile. God. It's He's the best. best. <laughs> He's having a good time with this one. I, I love it. I love it. We should make you the official pizza of uh, WABC, but we'll talk about well, it. We, when I used to stay at my Aunt Barbara's house, when I used to stay at she was Anthony! Oh, I used to remember that. Unbelievable. Well, Grimaldi, well, yeah, right. Anthony. I mean, I'm sure every police officer, yes. it's cold out there. It's going to be hot pizza for every police officer in Rockefeller Center. And have a great time and stay safe. And Anthony, bravo. Yeah. You are such a great patriot. Bravo for Anthony, protecting our police. Pizza. And, let's, and let's stay safe out there and come to the limelight. I'll put an activity, a beautiful activity in front of my place. And it's, it's beautiful. And it's gonna, that's going to stay safe, too. Oh, John, thank you. Rita, have a beautiful evening, and God bless you guys. And Merry Christmas. Love that. Thank you. Thank you. And I love how WABC and Grimaldi's, we back the blue. I love it, it. Love it. Love it. And uh, let's take... Uh, uh, oh, there's another Anthony. Another We've Anthony. got Anthony. Another one. Anthony uh, Sliwa is Anthony, here. I thought of you when he said that. I want you to know that, my friend. Let's take, <laughs> let's take a break. Let's take a break. And when we come back, who do we have, Rita? When we come back, we have Kathy Wilde talking about business. Business hopefully, in New York. Hopefully some good now, news. Now, now, we pray. already got the news uh, from CBC, and he has his opinion. He was with us the other day. That's right, from the and, Budget Commission. And yep. we talked to Tom DiNapoli last week. But the, the, all New Yorkers, we still don't know what the heck is going on. Maybe Kathy Wilde has an answer. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. In search of some good news... With us today is Kathy Wild, the New York City Partnership, uh, representing uh, a couple of hundred of the biggest companies in New York. Kathy, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Where the heck are we? Thank you, John. And I think that we are in good shape from the standpoint of our private sector economy. We've got more private sector jobs than we ever had. We have 
had over 40,000 new businesses created in the city in the past two years. We've got a booming technology sector. Our financial sector is actually growing, despite all the rumors about everybody moving to Miami. We're in good shape. Where do you see the holes? Speaking. Where do you see the holes, Kathy? And and are you worried? You know, this is Rita Cosby. By the way, Merry Christmas! It's great to have you here. Thank um, you. Merry Christmas, Rita. You know, where do you see the holes? And also, you know, so many people left um, during COVID. A lot of people haven't come back to work. Obviously, you know, at some of the businesses too. Where do you see uh, areas where there definitely needs improvement? Okay, number one is that city spending in the last decade under Mayor de Blasio went up 52%. So we've got a gap. Our taxes have gone up, but they haven't gone up as fast as the city has spent money. And that's problem number one. So we have a fiscal set of issues that Mayor Adams is trying very hard to solve, but that's a big challenge. So Yes, our economy is growing, but if there's any hint that they're going to raise taxes again, we're already the highest tax city in the country. If they're going to raise taxes again, then we're going to see another wave of people leaving. Now, actually, we're doing okay on people stabilizing, staying here. I mean, the average asking rents on apartments in Manhattan is up to $5,500. And uh, so somebody wants to live here. I know of companies that have opened new offices here that have people that have moved out. So we're doing better than most of our peer cities. But we really have to watch and support the mayor on trying to curb city spending. And as Kathy, it's Richard Weinberg. Uh, Happy holidays. I'll I'll tell you what what concerns me when you have hundreds of thousands of people leaving New York State, you have to start rethinking what you need to do to keep them here. And obviously you have to have public safety, you have to have law and order, you have to have businesses coming in here, you have to have housing and jobs and a good educational system. But an easy fix for the state legislature and the governor, an easy fix is to clean up the New York State estate tax because that's a driving force when people reach a certain age. When you hit 75, 75. Exactly. You get out of town and you lose all that all that money and all that revenue and all those income producers. What do you say, Kathy? Well, what I would say is that we are, we've got a couple of issues. Number one, national immigration policies are a problem, not just the migrant crisis where they're a clear problem, but also the fact that we're not letting in professionals who we need to, uh, it's for our talent pool. So we've got a couple of issues at the national level that make it very difficult for the city and, and the state to prosper. Traditionally, our population has grown by foreign immigration, and then people go on to populate the rest of the country after they've made it in New York. So that's, that's one set of issues that we don't have a lot of local control over, but we've got to really press that on the federal government, that we have to, we have to fix our national immigration policies. In terms of uh, the New York City and state general business climate, it's tough. We have more litigation than any place else. Our insurance costs, as a result, are the highest in the country. 
So that's another set of issues where we have to educate the legislature. Fortunately, Governor Hochul is doing everything she can to support us, but it's a big issue. What about also for the holidays, Kathy, too? Like what, you know, it's been refreshing. I know that you deal with the businesses, but um, I will say, uh, boy, I saw a lot of people on the street just now, but it seems that a lot of the businesses are expecting at least a good season. How does that help also just businesses in general? I've just been chatting with some of the retailers, uh, Macy's, LVMH, et cetera, and they're quite enthusiastic about the uh, the holiday season and the spending activities. You know, we're still down in terms of we're up to 63 million tourists a year now at this rate, but we still are down tourists from China in particular. And they were spending a lot of money here pre-pandemic, and, and they have um, not come back. So that's still an issue. Broadway has actually uh, done very well. They had a great Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and so they're looking forward to positive activity going forward. So I think we're going to have a good Christmas season. And as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm sure you've mentioned that the Christmas tree at Rock Center is being lit up tonight. So now we, we love New York, and we're all on, on your side, and uh, we love New York, and we want New York to be the best city in the world again. Thank you, John, and we love you. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk real soon again, and thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Kathy. Nice, thank you, Kathy. Nice to be with you. Bye, Rita. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, let's take a break, and uh, we're going to come back with, uh, who are we coming back We've with? We've got Dick Morris, who's going to talk about some big he's a, bowls. He's a fireball. He's a fireball, and uh, I understand Al D'Amato will be on later, and Mark Siegel will be on later. My God, stay tuned. we got some uh, second half of our show. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Well, he, of course, has been one of the great political strategists for so many presidents. Of course, Bill Clinton and also President Trump. Currently there, an advisor to him. And joining us now is Dick Morris, who has an awesome new book about Hunter Biden. Boy, is it timely. Uh, and another big bestseller, Dick. Um, you know, Dick, President Biden's poll numbers are wow. I just saw a new number that just a few seconds ago, and you know these numbers better than anybody, Dick Morris, fell to a record low of 27% among independents. He's tanking also with young people. Uh, and yeah. a lot of people aren't happy. A lot of young people that are out there protesting aren't happy with him. Uh, so he's yeah. trying to push the green energy deal, like trying to woo them. But is is he in a free fall? First of all, Rick, I'm delighted to hear the show is now the Cats, Cats, Matitis, and Cosby show. I think that's great. Cats and Rita, huh? Thank you. Cats and Cosby. you got to have the good Cats alliteration. You know? good. Yeah, good. Cats, Cosby, and, and now it's Cats, Cosby, and Morris today. Glad you got your <laughs> name in there, John. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, there has been, there's been a huge decline in Biden's polling. And let me put it in perspective. There were sort of three recent periods. One was July and August. And July and August, uh, Biden dominated the polling. There were about 19 national polls during that period, and Biden was the was in first place in 17 of them. Then you have the second period, which is basically from the uh, beginning of August until October 27th, 
And in that period, the two candidates were absolutely neck and neck. There were 51 national polls, and uh, Trump led in 21 of them, and Biden led in 19 of them, and 12 of them were a dead-even tie. So there was no daylight between them. There was a complete deadlock. Then on October 27th, it all changed. Since October 27th, there have been been 21 polls, and uh, Trump is leading in 19 of those, and Biden in only two. And uh, the the everything changed at the end. At, everything changed in October, and uh, we we must look at that and understand why it did. The economy was basically the same. The candidates were, of course, the same. But what was totally different was the invasion of Israel the, by Hamas. That completely changed everything. And uh, I'm not saying that because I believe it's true. I said I know it's true from the polling. And I'm thinking about how you explain what is obviously the case. And I think that there were sort of two periods in American reaction to uh, this issue. The first was immediately after the invasion. Uh, I think that there was a strong revulsion against uh, Hamas and the, the photos and the brutality and the atrocities and all of that. And Biden hurt, was hurt with that, not just because of his policy, but because in times of war, people need a strong, decisive, aggressive leader. And they know that Biden certainly is not that. And then I think we went through. Yeah, hold on just one second. <laughs> this is called live radio, Dick. <laughs> yeah, well, when the plumber comes, you open the door. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. We take a John, I didn't know we took a backseat to the plumber. <laughs> okay, why not? <laughs> so... Then there was a second phase, which I think started about three weeks ago. Uh, and their people, and their people, then people decided that they opposed Biden, not just because they thought he was too weak and too senile for the moment, but because of his pro-Palestinian policies. And uh, the student demonstrations with their anti-Semitism and their overt condemnation of Israel and Biden's failure to repudiate them have much the same impact on the voters as in 2020, Trump's failure to repudiate white supremacists and uh, and, and neo-Nazis at the Charlottesville rally. And I think that it triggered a gigantic move against Biden. And Biden doesn't counter that because he wants the Palestinian vote, which is now about 2% in the U.S., and more importantly, he wants the he can't alienate the uh, the student and other demonstrators who are attacking Israel. You know, uh, so, you know, what's interesting, Dick, um, as we're speaking, the president, exactly to your point, Dick Morris, he's on his way now to um, to Colorado and he's pushing this green energy climate change. Yeah. Is that because yeah. he's he doesn't want to lose them on the, like at least some of these people that are out there protesting? He's trying to he seems like he's turbocharging that I, message. I think that it's more because of the things I outline in my new book, Corrupt, the inside story of Biden's dark money. I think that he is pushing the green agenda uh, to increase our dependence on Chinese batteries. And uh, I think that it's a long term strategy to replace Arab sheiks with Chinese communist bureaucrats as the people who control the buttons of our energy policy. But let me go back to the Middle East. The Biden is in a position now where he is 
daily alienating people. And the Democrats just announced that they want to attach conditions to the aid to Israel, which essentially uh, give Hamas everything it wanted, an indefinite bombing pause and into the embargo and into the blockade of Gaza, uh, ultimately a two-state solution and all of that. And uh, I think as Biden and the Democrats move more toward the Palestinians and away from Israel, they are sacrificing votes in huge numbers. And it's it's kind of akin to the what happened during the Black Lives Matter demonstrations in 2020. But then the demonstrators uh, had sympathy, public had sympathy for them because the murder of George Floyd started it all. But now they have no sympathy for the demonstrators because they watched the Palestinians massacre the Jews. And that's what started it all. So I think that Biden has not only moved to the left, he's identified himself with a, a movement that people actually hate uh, and, and fear. And I think that that is responsible for the gigantic change in his ratings. But in any case, whether you agree or disagree with my analysis, you can't disagree with the numbers, which is on the end of October, for whatever reason, this race changed from a deadlock into a Trump route. Yeah, no, that's really powerful. Um, Dick, um, before I let you go, your book is about uh, Biden's dark money. Where is Where do you think all of this is going with Hunter Biden? Well, I think that it's headed for an impeachment trial of Joe Biden in which all of this stuff will come out. And I'm delighted that he's testifying. I wish the Democrats let him do it in public at first rather than doing it in camera first and then going public, because what he has to say will alienate everybody. And uh, I think that the China issue is going to loom very large in the campaign because the facts have not come out yet. They're just beginning to come out. My book compiles them all and deals with them, but they're not on page one of the newspapers. And uh, and people need to be acquainted with it, and that's why I wrote the book. And I think this will ultimately be the uh, even more decisive and develop, development in the campaign. Well, uh, everybody, to get more details, go to your book, uh, Corrupt, the Inside Story of Biden's Dark Money, another big bestseller by our friend Dick Morris. Dick, thank you for being here. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Rita. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And uh, right now, uh, we have Dr. Mark Siegel. Dr. Mark Siegel. He's back from Italy. I'm glad you're back, uh, Mark Siegel. And I'm jealous. I, ch- I checked Italy, and I don't think you own any islands there, John. No islands. No islands in Italy. But um, I will agree with Dick Morris that, uh, you know, the, the the policy towards China is totally screwed up. I, I suspect that that's why the United Nations and agency said we eat too much red meat. Uh, and it turns out that China is on the up, huge upswing in terms of red meat. And guess where they're importing it from here? And by the way, uh, when when it was United we'll Nations. Tell them one we way could, or another. <laughs> right. And what, by, the way, by the way, United Nations Week a couple of years ago, they discovered that all the diplomats visiting the U.N. are eating American hamburgers. So I, I don't think I don't think red meat is a problem. I think it's only a problem for the United Nations constantly attacking the United States. Well, and also, uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, um, you know, here they are. They're not they have not even labeled Hamas a terrorist organization, the U.N., yet they somehow find time to go after uh, meat. Um, I know you're very concerned about this just rage of anti-Semitism, and uh, it looks like we're on the verge of what could be a huge protest tonight outside the Rockefeller Christmas tree. 
Well, you hit the you hit the heart of the issue. How dare the United Nations not uh, call the Hamas attacks? Uh, you know, that's where the the humanitarian crisis started here. That that was that's the, I I kind of felt like they should be kicked off of a Manhattan Island for that. And I'm wondering why we're jo- we're joined to an organization like that. Obviously, the United States has been waffling in our response to Israel, but at least has been for the most part supportive of it and needs to be more supportive of it. I, I've been talking to people from Israel since the beginning. I've been talking to doctors in the hospitals taking care of the the hostages now before it was the, the victims of, of, of October 7th. Now it's the hostages who were clearly badly mistreated by Hamas, clearly weren't eating, were sleeping on chairs, were waiting hours to go to the bathroom. That's just scratching the surface. The the level of abuse that, that they incurred there was all has also not reached the surface. It's not being spoken about yet. But I'm talking to all the doctors there. And, you know, Hamas is trying to manipulate the world. And I I would like to believe that the world intellect or IQ is higher than that. But of course, it's not that that awful congresswoman in in Michigan, where my in-laws lived for many years. I mean, unbelievable. You know, she's not even veiled in terms of what she's uh, I'm talking about. Yeah, Tlaib. Tlaib is not even veiled in terms of what she's advocating. She wouldn't even yesterday, by the way, Dr. Mark Siegel, she would not even yesterday. They had a vote uh, in Congress and she wouldn't condemn what Hamas did. She wouldn't also advocate to support Israel's right to exist. She said, I'm not going to vote on that. I mean, come on. Well, I think that's where it all starts, by the way. You know, if if you're not advocating for Israel's rights to exist, what are you talking about? This was 1948 that Israel came into existence, has had to defend itself multiple times. Who among these, you know, ideologues would really want to live in a place where rockets are going off right next to you and you have to jump into a bomb shelter with 30 seconds notice? And that's pre pre the Hamas attacks. Who doesn't want to live with secure borders? And we're talking about a nuclear power here. Who would dare? Who would dare to attack another nuclear power like this? Yeah, it it is really frightening. You know, I saw a story um, today, and this is really troubling, about uh, the rise of anti-Semitism as we're talking about the fear uh, that so many people are suffering from Dr. Siegel. And it said uh, before all this, um, 66 uh, percent uh, people, you know, of the Jewish faith said they felt fairly safe. Now, 33 percent feel, you know, feel safe. That that is a stunning number. And when and there are even less numbers of those who are in schools. I mean, how what do you say to these people? It's frightening that we're seeing it in New York City schools. I have a different take on this, Rita, than you might think. First of all, I felt safe in Italy. I think the I think Italy is a really good place right now for the Jewish people. The Italian leader uh, is is backing Israel big time. Yep, Maloney. Here in the United, yeah, here in the United States, you know, a lot of attention's been paid to NYU. I think that's wrong. I I don't think it's spoken about enough that the NYU president Mills is actually. Uh, not only Jewish, but she's also a mother was a Holocaust survivor and she did a film on this. I don't mind protest. I don't mind that there's two groups at each other's throat at NYU, even though one group is completely ill-informed. Again, you're making the point already for me. You can't be in this without without condemning Hamas. You can't be in this without understanding that a lot of the Palestinian people are 
are okay with Hamas. I mean, you you want to be on behalf of anyone that's being victimized, anyone that is a victim of a humanitarian crisis here, either Jew or Palestinian. That doesn't matter. But but Hamas is coming from Gaza and has to be eradicated from Gaza. So I don't understand a lot of the protests, but as long as they're they're counterbalanced. I can I can accept that people have opinions, even ill-informed. We saw that during the pandemic. What's not okay is threatening people. Yeah, like they were doing at, at, at a high school in New York. Did you see they were chasing a Jewish teacher? I mean, that's that or, that that's a whole. The, they, bar- they barricaded those kids in at Cooper Union. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, uh, but I think we all agree a uh, peaceful protest is okay. It's when it gets these threats no. um, that I agree with you. Um, at that point, Doctor Siegel, Siegel, I want to ask you something else. You have this phenomenon going on which seems to be a medical crisis in uh, China right now with this new pneumonia, which seems to be spreading into Europe. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I have to open, Judge, by telling you that any any health crisis coming out of China where the WHO says not to worry, we're not worrying <laughs> to worry about automatically. And then it's also going on in the Netherlands. But I want to tell you that some, there's something reassuring here that, well, semi-reassuring that both China and Netherlands have in common. Both places did late lockdowns, late lockdowns. So China was locking people down until December of 2022, Netherlands till till uh, February of 2022. But then on into March and April, there was a lot of restrictions. We we got out of that lockdown phase much earlier. And then so we saw a big outbreak of RSV last year and covid and flu. And the reason is because when you pull the lock downs up back, the first thing that happens is people get exposed to viruses they haven't seen and their immune system don't react properly. There's an immune pause and you get sicker than you normally would and the viruses spread more more frequently. In China right now, there's a lot of resistant mycoplasma, which is a bacteria that's usually treated with Zithromax or ZPAC, but they've been giving out too many ZPACs there. They're just giving them out like water, so that breeds more resistant, and those resistant mycoplasma cases are the kids that are ending, ending up in the hospital. So believe it or not, although I think that China would be the first to once again not tell us about a new bug, or even a bioengineered bug, would they never tell us about this? In this case, I think it's a perfect storm of pre-existing bugs. I don't think it's it's a brand new bug, but but it's another wake-up call that you can't believe a word coming out of China on on anything public health. I know Morris says you can't believe a word coming out of China on anything. You certainly can't believe them on public health. Mark Siegel, thank you so much for calling in. I, I wish I was with you in uh, Italy. What part of Italy were you in? Anywhere I was, you would have been paying for dinner, that's for sure. For sure. <laughs> we, 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 were, we were out on the coast, we were in Rome, uh, we were up in Florence, and my daughter's been studying there, so we went to Bologna and saw the ancient university there. That's just magnificent. Beautiful. Well, God bless, and we'll be talking more often, and thank you for uh, calling in today. And uh, Welcome and back. Welcome yeah, back. welcome thank back. Thank Great you. to be here, guys. Great to be here. Thank, thank you, you, doctor. Let's take a break right now, and we have the great Senator Alphonse D'Amato on next. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back. Well, President Biden, a lot of reports are saying that he's been, first of all, apologizing to some Muslim organizations because he was critical of some of the death counts coming from Hamas. Can you believe it or not? That's stunning. And reports he's pushing for a much bigger ceasefire from Israel. Is he getting weak in the knees? Well, joining us now is the great former New York senator, our favorite Senator Al D'Amato. Uh, senator D'Amato, I, are you worried where this is headed? And is Biden getting soft? Uh, our uh, uh, great well, commander in chief. It's not weak in the knees. It's weak in the head, weak in the brain. For God's sakes, who do you think started this whole thing? And let me say this to you. He's not one of my favorite people because, you know, he's a stranger to the truth at times. He betrays his friends. He betrayed me and the Republican Party when he supported Mario Cuomo for governor. Everybody forgets that when George Pataki was running. But I have to give Rudy Giuliani credit. Today I heard him on on his uh, uh, program and he called to the attention uh, of his listeners, the fact that Iran is the big problem. And they are the ones who are creating this. And what are we doing? Do you know that we approved, again, Biden, again, approved allowing them uh, to avoid their sanctions on their oil and on their gas? Do you know what that cost? That, that they raised over $50 billion because they relieved those sanctions. Who do you think is providing Hamas with the guns, the ammunition, the supplies, etc.? It's Iran. For God's sakes, stop this nonsense, Joe Biden. Get behind Israel. He is the only force there. Why do you think that Iran loosed Hamas on us? Because he was petrified that Israel was going to make a deal with Saudi Arabia, and that petrified her. Well, let me tell you something. We ought to let the Israelis clean up that mess, and we ought to tell Iran, let me tell you, you have your people. We've been attacked 70 times, and what do we do? We do these little tiny putsch things where where we hit uh, ammunition places that are empty. We don't kill any of the people. Who are who are perpetrating these things, and we ought to give them a real answer, a real shellacking, and don't allow this to take place. And we ought to serve notice that unless they stop, we're going to knock out then their capacity for going nuclear, and that's the last thing we should allow to take place. Now, what? Is, why does Iran hate Israel? Because Israel's the only ones over there who have an atomic capacity to, to knock them out. And we should say, you either stop this or we're coming after you and we will let Israel come after you. But let me but ask you, Senator, to... do you think that this president has the will to do that? I, I agree with you. No, I think he's been totally sabotaged. And, and, and I think Obama is the guy who has been calling the shots with his people. They had a special envoy, all right, uh, to Iran. That, that's Obama. That envoy, Mally, Mally. he lifted the sanctions. Okay. And let me tell you what happened. Joe Biden brought him back. And guess what he did? 
he he lifted the sanctions again. And so, uh, and of course, they fired the guy because they caught him with, uh, giving uh, uh, secret messages. Um, and so they fired him. But the fact of the matter is that Obama and his renegades are running Sleepy Joe. This is Obama's policies, which Joe is carrying out. And we should let Israel do what they have to do and stop this nonsense. But do you see this playing into the hands of the Russians and the Iranians? Well, we just got Anthony just delivered some pizza to us to the uh, to to the studio. Anthony. Wait, did you say you said it again, right? You said Anthony from from Grimaldi. Oh, my God. Anthony, how much do we love you? I this is I think this is enough for Senator. We love you. um, But Anthony, this is a personal pie. Wait a minute. Is there a personal pie for the rest of us? Wait a minute. Oh, wait. John has a personal pie. It's, it's customized. It says for uh, John. Senator, Anthony. we got a minute left. What else would you want to tell the all Americans? Let's stand up for Israel because this business is Hamas is really Iran. Iran is backing them. We cannot let them get away with it. And what they're saying is they want to eliminate Israel. That's what this is all about. Understand yeah. it. Uh, Rita, you battle. tell the senator, you were in the subway before, and what did the sign say? Oh, hey, this was frightening. There were at least several hundred pro-Palestinians saying, you know, death to Israel, river to the sea. Uh, it is, this is what's happening tonight. And it's after the Christmas tree lighting. And they were at a funeral for Rosalind Carter yesterday. I mean, these people have no limits. And tonight is going to be a mess. Pray for New York, uh, Senator. We love you. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Senator D'Amato. Wow, I love his fire. And I love his passion. And Anthony sent some uh, some pizza to Senator D'Amato. He's Italian, too. Yeah, actually. What what kind? I I think what? uh, Everything. He takes everything. Well, thank you, Senator. And thank you, Judge Weinberg. And thank thank you, you, Thank you, Grimaldi's. And what what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.